All right, well, we're there in Genesis chapter number 22. And what we do on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights here is we'll take a portion of Scripture and kind of just work through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, seeing what we can learn along the way. On Sunday nights, we are in the middle of a series entitled The Patriarchs. We're studying the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we're getting near to the end of the life of Abraham. And, of course, we come to Genesis 22, which is probably the most famous chapter uh, uh, about Abraham and, and the story of Abraham in the Bible. And it's a, a very prophetic chapter in the sense that it gives us a lot of information about the coming Messiah and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're just going to work through it and try to make some points along the way. I'd like you to look down at verse number 1, Genesis 22 and verse 1. The Bible says this, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. I want you to notice that word tempt there. The Bible says that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. This chapter deals with the fact that God is tempting Abraham, like the Bible says there. But I want you to understand a couple of things about this temptation. Now, keep your place there in Genesis 22. That's obviously our text for tonight. Go with me to the book of James in your New Testament. I want you to notice a couple of things about this temptation. If you start at the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible and move backwards, you have the book of Jude, the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter, and then you have the book of James. James chapter number 1 and verse number 13. The word tempt can have multiple definitions and it can mean different things. And I want you to notice that it's not a temptation to sin. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1 and verse number 13, I'd like you to notice the verse together. You got Revelation, Jude, if you're moving backwards, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter, James. James chapter 1 and verse 13. The Bible says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So we know that God does not tempt us with evil. That Satan does that. The devil will tempt us with sin. So this temptation here, where the Bible says God did tempt Abraham, it's not a temptation of sin. Now you say, well, then what kind of temptation is it? It's a different type of temptation that God does quite a bit of. You're there in James, head just one book uh, further uh, into the book of Hebrews, and look at Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. Now do me a favor. When you get to Hebrews, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something in Hebrews because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it several times during the service, so I want you to be able to find it quickly. Hebrews chapter number 11, and look at verse number 17. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 17. Hebrews 11 is, and, and verse 17 is actually commentating on the events going on in Genesis 22. Notice what it says, by faith Abraham, notice what it says, when he was Tried. Do you see that word tried there? See, the Bible is defining for us what that word temptation means. It means that he was tried or he was tested. He was on trial. God was testing him to see how he would respond, how he would react to what God was asking. The Bible says, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son. I want you to remember that it says there in verse 17, his only begotten son. So we see, if you head back to Genesis 22, make sure you can get back to Hebrews 11 because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. But if you get back to Genesis 22, when the Bible says God did tempt Abraham, it's not a temptation to sin. It's not a temptation to do wrong. It's not a temptation to do evil. It is a test. It's a trial. It's something God is putting Abraham through to see how he responds. Now, there's a couple of things we see in this passage. The first thing we see is a picture of Christ. We see 
Isaac representing a picture. He's a type of Christ. He is used, he, he's used here as an illustration to show us the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give these uh, types to you and show them to you. If you have a pen handy, maybe you can write these notes down. The first thing we see is that Isaac, like Jesus, was the only begotten of the Father. Are you there in Genesis 22? Look at verse number 2. And he said... Take now thy son, notice what it says, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, sometimes people will look at this passage in Scripture and they'll say, there's a contradiction in the Bible. They'll say, see, the, uh, Isaac was not you know, his only son. Isaac was not the only son of, of Abraham because, of course, he had Ishmael. Now, I think it's silly that people would look at Genesis 22 and verse number 2 and say, there's a contradiction in Scripture. Whoever wrote this down, which, you know, we believe it's, it's Moses. We're not 100% sure. But whoever wrote this down must have, you know, they, they, they messed up because they said Abraham had only one son. Here's what's silly about that. Whoever wrote Genesis 22 also wrote Genesis 21, which deals with all about Ishmael. And we just saw in Genesis 21 last week that God blessed Ishmael. God told Ishmael he'd make him a nation. The Lord was with Ishmael. So it's, it's silly to think that someone wrote Genesis 21 and talked about Ishmael, and then they just forgot about Ishmael in Genesis 22. Obviously, when they wrote Genesis 22, they understood about Ishmael's existence, yet they chose to write under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost because the Bible tells us that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Spirit that gave us the Word of God. You say, then why, why did the Holy Spirit choose to say to Abraham or about Abraham to take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, when, when Abraham had uh, Ishmael? Well, did you keep replace in Hebrews? Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to notice verse 17 again. We just read it, but let's look at it together. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Now there's debate as to who wrote the book of Hebrews, the human author. I believe it's Paul. And if it is Paul, well then Paul, like we saw last week, was the same man who wrote Galatians chapter 4 which talked about the allegory between Ishmael and Isaac. So obviously the writer of Hebrews is not unaware of Ishmael, but yet they wrote the only begotten son. You say, why is that? And here's the answer. Go, you're, you're there in Hebrews 11. Go back to Hebrews chapter number 8, and it basically just comes down to this. Ishmael was born out of sin. Ishmael was born out of disobedience. Ishmael himself is not a bad person. Ishmael himself was not a bad kid. But it was a sin that Abraham had, uh, had done when he did not have the faith to trust God. And he went in unto Hagar and had a, a son named Ishmael out of uh, adultery, basically, or out of uh, his marriage there. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12 says this, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Notice what the Bible says. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. See, when God forgives you of your sins, you know what He does? He forgives and He forgets it. 
He never brings it up again. The Bible says he'll never mention it to you again. Today you got Christians saying at the judgment seat of Christ, God is going to bring up all your sins and he's going to bring up all the bad things you ever did and we're going to have a big screen come down and we're going to watch all the stupid things you ever did and he's going to make you answer for him. Hey, that's not scriptural. The Bible says that their iniquities will I remember no more. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he said they will never be, you will never be united with your sins. He separated you from them. He's forgiven you from them. He's forgotten about them. And that's why when he's speaking to Abraham, after he's already confessed and forsaken those sins, he says, hey, you know your only son? And Abraham says, but, but, but Ishmael. And God says, I already forgave you for that. I've already forgotten about that. He said, I'm not going to throw that in your face anymore, Abraham. I'm not going to bring that up to you anymore, Abraham. And you know what's funny is usually as Christians, we struggle with this guilt and we keep going back to, you know, well, what about this and what about that? Hey, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you know what? We do need to deal with the guilt and the shame. And obviously we reap what we sow as a result of sin. But as far as God is is concerned, it's done. It's forgotten. The Bible says... He will remember no more. So he brings up Isaac, yet doesn't even talk about Ishmael, because as far as God is concerned, that's done. It's over with. They've dealt with it. Notice Genesis 22 and verse 1. Genesis 22, I'm sorry, in verse 2. Go back to Genesis 22, verse 2. Make sure you're there, because we're going to come back to Hebrews. So make sure you're able to get back to Hebrews. Genesis 22 and verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountain, which I will tell thee of. So the first picture we see here is that Isaac, like Jesus, was the only begotten of his father, Abraham. And of course, Jesus is the only begotten of God the Father. You don't have to turn there. You know the famous verse, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we see the first uh, thing there is that Isaac, like Jesus, was the only begotten of the Father. Let me give you a second picture that we see in this story, Genesis 22. Go back to verse number 2, Genesis 22 and verse 2. Isaac, like Jesus, if you're taking notes, you'd like to write this down, Isaac, like Jesus, was to be sacrificed in Jerusalem. Isaac, like Jesus, was to be sacrificed in the same place that the Lord Jesus Christ was sacrificed. You said, Isaac was going to be sacrificed in Jerusalem. Are you there in Genesis 22? Look at verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee, notice what it says, get thee into the land of Moriah. You see that? You see the land there, Moriah? He said, I want you to go to the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, keep your place there in Genesis 22. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter number 3. 2 Chronicles chapter number 3. Tonight, like this morning, it's just going to be kind of Bible study, all right? So be ready to flip pages and let's look at it together. You got, if you find all those one and two books, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, they're all together. 2nd Chronicles chapter number 3, look at verse number 1. It'd be good for you to write these cross-references down so you can have something to go back and study. Or, you know, one day, you guys, you're pastoring your own church, you can preach this sermon and claim it as your own. That's all right. And uh, 2 Chronicles chapter number 3. I'm not the first person to preach this sermon either, just so you know. 2 Chronicles chapter 3, look at verse 1. 2 Chronicles chapter number 3 and verse number 1. 2 Chronicles chapter number 3 and verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. Then Solomon, remember that guy? Began to build the house of the Lord. Now notice where he built it. At Jerusalem, notice, in Mount what? 
Moriah. Do you see that? So Mount Moriah is Jerusalem where Solomon built the temple and it happens to be the exact same place that God told Abraham hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. He says, take your only begotten son and take him to the land of Moriah and sacrifice him there. A picture, a type that one day God the Father would take his only begotten son and have him walk up a hill in Moriah, in Jerusalem, to be the sacrifice for our sins. Go back to Genesis 22. Let me give you a third type. Genesis 22. Look at verse 2 again. Genesis 22 and verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. Genesis 22 and verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, which we know to be Jerusalem, and offer him there, notice, for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now keep your place there in Genesis 22, and let's go to that book of Acts, Acts chapter number 2. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Acts chapter number 2. And let me say this. Isaac, like Jesus was to be a burnt sacrifice. See, the Bible tells us that God told Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. He said, when you sacrifice him, though, and when you've poured out the blood, he said, I want you to do just like he would tell Moses years and years later that they were to take the sacrifices and completely burn them up. They were to burn that. He said, I want Isaac to be a burnt sacrifice. He said, I want you to kill him. I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to shed his blood. And when he's dead, I want you to burn him up. You say, why would God have Abraham do that to Isaac? Here's why. Because one day, the Lord Jesus Christ would come down on this earth, the only begotten of his father. He would go to Mount Moriah. He would die. And then guess what? He would also become a burnt sacrifice. Amen. This is something that people don't believe today. Today, people will, will negate this doctrine in the Bible. But the Bible says in Acts 2.31, he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ. Are you there? Acts 2.31. That his soul, talking about the resurrection of Christ, was not left in where? What's it say? Hell. It says that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. The Bible teaches very clearly that when Jesus died on the cross, his body did not see corruption. His body was buried, but the Bible says his soul went down to hell. He became a burnt sacrifice. And today you got people saying, Jesus did not go to hell when he died. And they'll teach the, you know, this dispensational theology. I was telling my wife, I want to, here very soon, I'm going to preach an entire sermon called Dispensing with Dispensational Theology. Amen. Because dispensational theology is just the stupid thread that brings all these dumb doctrines together. And dispensational theology today that has brought, came into the independent fundamental Baptist movement will teach people, no, when the Bible says in Acts 2.31 that Jesus went to hell, he actually went, hell there means paradise. It means Abraham's bosom. It, it, and they talk about it's like this nice place in hell. Well, you know, excuse me for being King James only because I'm pretty sure if God wanted to say that he went to a nice resort, he would have said that. He used the word hell because we all know what hell means. And here's, here's what's interesting. If I have to die and go to hell to pay for my sins, if I choose to reject Christ, then how is it that Jesus would pay for my sins without going to hell himself? The punishment for my sins is not a physical debt. I mean, if all Jesus did was die physically, 
Then he didn't do it. He didn't, he didn't uh, take my sin. He didn't take my punishment. Because look, we're all going to die. Even saved people die. What he saved me from was hell. So guess what? He went to hell. And the Bible teaches that he was in hell. And he suffered the punishment for your sins. And we'll, we'll talk about that another day because I don't have time to develop that. There's a whole other uh, thing there. But I want you to notice this. Isaac was told to be a burnt sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus was a burnt sacrifice. A reference to hell. Go back to Genesis 22. Look at verse 3. Let me give you another type. Genesis 22. Look at verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. I want you to notice no hesitation on the part of Abraham. I mean, how, how, what, what would you do if God just told you to sacrifice your son? I mean, you, we might say, well, God, I need to think about this. I need to talk to my wife. I'm going to explain this to my wife. You know, I, I, I got I to I I get, you know, let me, let me go find a Hithophel. I got to get some different counsel, right? If you're here on Wednesday night, you know what I'm talking about. But Abraham, Abraham just rose up early in the morning. Abraham just said, yes, sir. Abraham just said, Let, let's do it. God, if, that, if that's what you want. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Notice verse 4. I want you to notice type number 4. Isaac, like Jesus, would have a three-day journey for his sacrifice. Notice what it says in verse 4. And on the third day, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Go to Matthew chapter number 12. Matthew chapter number 12 and verse number 40. Matthew chapter number 12 and verse 40. Matthew 12 and verse 40. Isaac, like Jesus, would have a three-day journey for his sacrifice. Now, there's a difference here in the sense that for three days, Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and he traveled with his son to the land of Moriah. For three days, he had to bear that burden. It's obvious from the text that Isaac didn't know that he was the sacrifice. So they're walking up the mountain. He asked, where is the lamb? And for those three days, Abraham the father had that burden. Abraham the father had that pressure. Abraham the father had to deal with and struggle with the idea that he would have to sacrifice his son. But you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he died, the Bible tells us that he was in the heart of the earth. For three days and three nights. Are you there in Matthew 12? Look at verse 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And listen, the heart of the earth is hell. And it's interesting to me, and I don't, I don't have time to develop this. I'll preach another sermon on it sometime soon, all right? But it's interesting to me that Jesus refers back to Jonah because if you go back to the book of Jonah and you go back to when he was in the whale's belly, Jonah prophesies about the fact that he went to hell. And of course, Jonah himself didn't go to hell, but he's prophesying about the fact that Jesus was going to go to hell. And of course, Jesus references back to that. And he says in the same way that Jonah was in the three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Here's what I want you to say. understand. Abraham had a three-day journey where he had the pressure and he had the, the, the burden and he had, he had to think about the fact that his son would have to die. In the same way, God the Father spent three days and three nights agonizing with the pressure, with the burden about the death of his son. Go back to Genesis 22, look at verse 5. Genesis 22 and verse 5, 
Notice what the Bible says. Genesis 22 and verse 5. And Abraham said unto his young men. I want you to notice the faith of Abraham. This is Abraham's shining moment. Abraham will go down in history as the father of faith. And it's because of Genesis 22. And specifically because of Genesis 22, 5. Notice what the Bible says. And Abraham said unto his young men. They get to Mount Moriah. For three days he's been agonizing and burdened with the fact that his son would die. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Now what did God tell him to do up on the mountain? He told him to kill his son. He told him to sacrifice his son. He told him to burn him up into ashes. Abraham is convinced that this is what God has called him to do. But notice what he says. He says, verse 5, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Notice what he says to the young men, And come again to you. Amen. You see that? See, Abraham believed this. Because Abraham understood. I mean, Isaac was a child of promise. God had promised Abraham that through Isaac, he would have a descendancy, and he would have the Messiah, and all the, and all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Abraham had enough faith to realize, if God wants me to kill Isaac, then God's going to resurrect him. See, Jesus died, but you know what God was planning the whole time? I'm going to resurrect him. Abraham was planning to kill his son, but you know what he was counting on the whole time? If God makes me kill him, he'll resurrect him. And the, and the Bible tells us this. Go back to Hebrews 11. Look at verse 9. Hebrews 11, look at verse 9. Hebrews 11, verse 9. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 9. You say, well, I think Abraham knew that God was going to get up there. He was going to get up there and God was going to say, never mind. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us that. It tells us the opposite. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 9. Did I say verse 9? I'm sorry. Verse 19. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 19. If you kept your place there in Hebrews. Hebrews eleven nineteen. 19. Notice what Abraham thought. He said, accounting. Abraham took this journey, and this is what he was counting on, accounting that God was able to raise him up. Talking about Isaac. Even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. See, he said, I believe, and here's what's interesting. This will go with our sermon this morning about your glorified body. Abraham was not only planning to go up there and kill Isaac, he was planning to go up there and burn his body. To ashes. And Abraham believed that God could take those ashes and bring Isaac back. He said, accounting that God was able to raise him up. You know, people worry, is God going to be able, you know, uh, if, is he going to be able to resurrect me after so many? God, look, God, God is able to do anything. God is able. And here we are told that Abraham was counting on the fact. Just like God the Father said, I will sacrifice my son. But he knew that in three days, in three nights, he would raise him up again. Abraham said, if God has me kill him, if God has me go through with it, if God, if I put him to death, if I burn him up, God will resurrect him. God will bring him back up. Picturing the, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to Genesis chapter 22. Look at verse 6. Let me give you the fifth, the fifth type. The fifth picture we see here. Isaac, like Jesus, had to carry the word that he would be sacrificed on up the mountain. Notice Genesis 22 and verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. And notice what it says. And laid it upon Isaac, his son. 
and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. It's very interesting that they get to the mount in Moriah. In the New Testament, it's referred to as Golgotha. And Abraham takes the wood because he's going to burn Isaac up. He takes the wood and he lays it on Isaac. And Abraham and Isaac walk up that mountain to be the sacrifice, the only begotten sacrifice of his, son, of his father. Go to John chapter number 19. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter number 19. Look at verse number 16. John chapter number 19, verse number 16. Jesus in the same city, in the same mountain. The Bible says, John chapter 19 and verse 16. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Look at verse 17. And he, Jesus, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. You see Isaac walking up the mountain, bearing the wood in which he will be sacrificed. And the Lord Jesus Christ walking up the same mountain, bearing the same wood on which he will be sacrificed. Go back to Genesis 22. Let me give you the sixth picture. In Genesis chapter 22. So we've seen Isaac, like Jesus, was the only begotten of the Father. And we've seen Isaac, like Jesus, was to be sacrificed in Jerusalem. And we see Isaac, like Jesus, was to be sacrificed by fire after his death, a burnt offering. We see Isaac, like Jesus, would have a three-day journey for his sacrifice. We see Isaac, like Jesus, had to carry the wood on which he would be sacrificed up the mountain. Let me give you the sixth point here. Isaac, like Jesus, voluntarily laid down his life. Isaac was not forced to do this. He volunteered. He chose to when it became clear to him. Notice verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, You know, I'd be asking the same question if I was Isaac. He says, "Uh, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Isaac said, I, I, I noticed you got the wood, I noticed you got the fire, but, but where, where is the lamb? And, and let me explain something to you. Salvation is through the lamb of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? You know, it's interesting that Isaac says, you got everything except the land. You know, I, I, you know, I think God one day, or maybe Jesus one day, is going to be talking to a whole lot of unbelievers, and they're going to say, I got my good works, I got my speaking in tongues, I got my, you know, cast out devils, I got my repentant of my sins, I got my, got baptized, they're going to bring all their materials, and the question's going to be asked, but where's the lamb? You need, you need a lamb. He, said, he says, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Look at verse 8. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. We'll talk more about that here in a second. Look at verse 9. And they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. Notice, and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. I want you to understand that Isaac allowed Abraham to bind him. Isaac volunteered, allowed, trusting his father, allowed him to put him in this position to die. You say, well, why do you believe that? And, and it comes down to just the fact that Isaac at this point could have just got away from Abraham. I mean, he could have just physically not allowed him to do this. See, you say, well, well what do you mean by that? We, we know from the scriptures 
about a range as to the age of, of Isaac and Abraham. If you go back to Genesis, you're there in Genesis 22. Go back to Genesis 21 and look at verse number 2. In Genesis 21, if you remember in Genesis 21, Isaac is born, and the Bible tells us that Abraham is 100 years old. Look at Genesis 21 and verse 2. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded. And Abraham was in hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. So in Genesis 21, we're told Abraham's a hundred years old and Isaac is born. At the end of the chapter, Isaac is being weaned from nursing. So we can assume that he's probably two years old. That's usually about the age the children begin to be weaned. You know, they start getting these things called teeth and uh, moms don't want to nurse anymore, right? And you start feeding them food. So in chapter 21, Isaac is born. At the end chapter, he's about two years old. We're told Abraham is 100 years old when Isaac is born. You say, okay, well then, how old is Isaac and how old is Abraham in chapter 22? We're not sure, but here's what we do know. In chapter 23, go to Genesis 23, look at verse 1. In chapter 23, Sarah dies at the age of 127 years old. Look at Genesis 23 and verse 1. And Sarah was 107 and 20 years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kirchath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to Mount to, to, to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. So here's what we know. Chapter 21, Abraham's 100 years old, Isaac is born. Chapter 22, we're not sure. Chapter 23, Sarah dies at the age of 127. You say, well, how does that help us to determine Isaac and, uh, and, and Abraham's age? Go to Genesis 17 and verse 17. Genesis 17 and verse 17. Hopefully you're writing these references down and it can serve as cross-references for you as you do your own Bible study. Genesis 17, 17 says this, Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. Remember, God came to them and he's telling them about the fact that he's going to give them a son. He fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him who is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? See, Genesis 17, 17 tells us that Sarah is ten years younger than Abraham. He's a hundred, she's ninety. So when she dies... At the age of 127, then guess what? Abraham's 137. And that would mean that Isaac is somewhere between 2 and 37 years old when the events of Genesis 22 take place. Now, we know he's not 2 because he's walking, he's talking, he's old enough and strong enough to carry wood up the mountain. But, but here's what we, and, and, and you know, and, and, and many people have said this before, but if you have to take a guess, the Lord Jesus Christ died at the age of what? 33. If you had to take a guess, I would probably assume Isaac is probably 33 years old. You know, and obviously that's just, you know, an educated guess. But we know he's somewhere between 0 and 37 years old. He's old. Here, here's what I'm saying. Abraham's 137, uh, you know, 115, 100, whatever you want to call him. He's over 100 years old. I think this 15-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old can probably take him. At least run away from him. You know, you can probably be like, yeah, we're not going to do that. How about we tie you up, you know? Uh, let's not, we, this is not a good idea. Hey, did you talk to mom about this? You know, I, I, I think that Isaac, but yet Isaac submitted to the will of his father. Amen. 
and allowed Abraham to bind him to be a sacrifice. But you know what? Jesus did the same thing. Go to John chapter 10. Look at verse 15. John chapter 10, verse 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 10 and verse number 15. John chapter 10 and verse 15. Notice what the Bible says. John chapter 10 and verse 15. I know we're looking at a lot of passages. It's Verity Baptist Church. It's what we do. We look at more Bible in one sermon than most churches look at in six months. John chapter 10, look at verse number 15. John chapter 10 and verse 15. Notice what the Bible says. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. This is Jesus speaking. If you have a red letter edition Bible, the words are in red. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me. Notice what he says. Because I laid on my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. See, the Bible says that he submitted himself unto death, even the death of the cross. He voluntarily submitted to the will of the Father. And here you've got Isaac upon that mountain asking, where's the lamb? And when his dad says, get on the wood, Isaac, I need to bind you, he submits and he respects and he trusts his father, just like Jesus trusted his heavenly father. Go back to Genesis chapter 22. Actually, Go to Genesis chapter 20. Let me show you something. The first thing we see in this chapter is we see a picture of Christ. And it's a very famous picture of Christ. It's a very well-known passage as a prophetic type of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's also a prophecy of Christ. We not only see a picture of Christ, we see a prophecy of Christ. And here's what's interesting. In Genesis chapter 20 and verse 7, remember when Abraham got himself all mixed up, lying about who his wife was and, and all of that? In Genesis chapter 20 and verse 7, notice what the Bible says. Now therefore restore the man, this is God speaking about Abraham. Now therefore restore the man, talking about Abraham, his wife. Notice what God calls Abraham, for he is a prophet. Do you see that? Abraham is a prophet. That's what God called him. You say, well, where, where is the prophecies of Abraham? Well, his prophecy is in Genesis 22. Go back to verse number 7. Genesis 22 and verse number 7. Notice what the Bible says. Genesis 22 and verse number 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, Now notice what Abraham says. You've got to underline this in your Bible if you don't mind writing in your Bible. Abraham said, My son. Notice what he says. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. Now I want you to notice what God did, what he didn't say. He didn't say God will provide a lamb himself. He said God will provide himself a lamb. Amen. Do you understand the difference? He didn't say, God's going to provide a lamb. God's going to show up with the lamb. We just get up to the mountain. We bring the wood and the fire. And God himself is going to provide a lamb. He didn't say that. He said, God will provide himself as the lamb. God will be the sacrifice. And he was looking forward. He was foretelling. He was predicting and prophesying and preaching about the coming of God. 
Who would be a lamb? That would be sacrifice. John chapter 1, let's look at it together. John chapter 1, look at verse 29. John chapter 1, remember when Jesus was beginning his ministry? He goes down and John the Baptist, the forerunner, has already been preparing the way. John chapter 1 and verse 29. John chapter 1 and verse 29, the Bible says this. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John 1, 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, notice what John says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. See, Abraham, Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. God would come down to this earth as a sacrifice. He's not going to provide a lamb himself. He himself will be that sacrifice. And by the way, that proves the deity of Christ. That Jesus was not just a prophet. He was not just a teacher. He was not just a good man that said some crazy things and protesters showed up and crucified. That's not it. No, Jesus was God. He was himself God, the Lamb. He was himself the sacrifice for mankind. God will provide himself a Lamb. Here's what Abraham said and he prophesied about Jesus the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Go, go back to Genesis 22, look at verse 13. Genesis 22 and verse 13. And Abraham, I want you to notice, we're going to skip to verse 13 quickly. We're going to come back and, and cover the rest of the verses. But I want you to notice, when the story progresses, of course we know that God did not actually have Abraham sacrifice Isaac. But when he tells him, hey, don't, don't sacrifice him, he provides a replacement Genesis 22, 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him, notice what he found, a ram. You see the word ram there? Now look, a ram is different than a lamb. So when Abraham says God will provide himself a lamb, he wasn't talking about the ram that he would find up on the mountain. He was talking about Jesus. And I think God specifically here provided a ram so people would realize, no, this is a prophecy of Christ. God will provide himself a lamb. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket. And by the way, this could be a picture of Christ too. You see this ram caught in a thicket. This could be picturing the crown of thorns that were placed upon the head of the Lord Jesus Christ because it says he was caught in a thicket by his horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. That's also a picture there. The ram was offered instead of Isaac. The Lord Jesus Christ was offered instead of you and me. He, was, he died in our stead. Go back to Genesis 22. I want you to notice verse number 1. And we're going to finish up here. I want you to notice, though, as we end, because there's two main things I want you to notice from this passage. There's obviously the picture. We saw the picture. We saw the parallels to Jesus. And then there's a prophecy where Abraham prophesied God will provide himself a lamb. And, of course, it wasn't the ram that they found. It was the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. But I want you to notice how the chapter began, Genesis 22 and verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt. Remember that? He tested. He tried him. He put Abraham on trial not to test him or, 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 or tempt him with sin, but to see how he would respond, how he would react. Remember Hebrews eleven seventeen 17, by faith Abraham when he was tried, offered up Isaac upon the altar. 
Go to 2 Chronicles chapter number 32. I want, I want to show you something interesting. 2 Chronicles chapter number 32. And look at verse number 31. I meant to tell you to keep your place in 2 Chronicles when we were there earlier. I apologize. I forgot to tell you that. But you got 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. 2nd Chronicles chapter number 32 and verse number 31. There are many places I could have gone to show you this. I just chose this one. Honestly, I just chose this one because it happened to be in my Bible reading this week. And I just read it and I thought, oh, that'll, that'll work for my sermon. 2nd Chronicles 32 and verse 31. See, when God tested Abraham, it wasn't only Abraham who God tests. I want to give you an example of another Bible character that God also tested. 2 Chronicles 32 and verse 31, the Bible says this, Howbeit in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, God left him. Notice, this is talking about King Hezekiah. God left him to try him, to test him, that he might know all that was in his heart. See, I, I want you to understand something. God doesn't only test Abraham. God tests all of us. God doesn't only test Abraham. Here he tests Hezekiah. All throughout the Bible you can see where God, Job, was tested to see how would he react. Remember Satan said, you take away his wealth, you take away his health, you take away his family, and he'll curse you to your face. And God said, all right, let's put him up to the test. See, God will often test you and I. God will put us on trials. He put us through a trial to see how we respond. Go back to Genesis 22. Look at verse 10. How did Abraham respond? I can tell you this. Genesis, uh, Abraham made a lot of mistakes, but when it came to this test, he passed with flying colors. He, he, he passed it perfectly. He did exactly what God wanted and expected. Notice Genesis 22 and verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now look, Abraham, it's not like Abraham was up there and just kind of like, all right, God, anytime now. I'm, I'm getting ready, you know. Hebrews 11 tells us that he expected God to raise up his son. I think Abraham lifted up that arm with that knife with every intention to bring it down upon his son believing that God would raise him up. Notice what it says. Verse 10, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham! And he said, Here am I. Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, saying, Thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. I want you to notice something just real quickly. When the chapter begins in verse number 1, look, look at verse 1 again. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, I want you to notice what Abraham said. When, when, God, when this trial started, God said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham responded, he said, Here I am. Here I am. But after this process, after these days, after this journey, after going through these tests and dealing with the pressures and dealing with, with, with the heartache and, and, and coming down to the mount and getting ready to sacrifice the thing he loves the most, the thing he's been waiting for the most. When the angel calls down to him, I want you to notice how Abraham responds in verse 11. He says, here am I. See, here I am is where I choose to be. 
Here I am is where, this is where I've, cho- I've chosen that I'm going to be in uh, Sunday morning church. I've chosen to be in Sunday night church. I've chosen or maybe I've not chosen to go soul winning. I've chosen or maybe I've not chosen to tithe. I've chosen or maybe I've not chosen to be a so- uh, uh, to, to, to witness to my friends and family. I've chosen or maybe I've not chosen to sacrifice, to read the Bible, to pray, whatever it may be. Abraham started the journey saying, here I am. But he ends the journey saying, here am I. See, he starts where he was, but he ends where God brought him. He said, here's where I find myself. Not exactly where I chose to be, but where I found myself, God has brought me through in the journey. See, sometimes God has to take us from the here I am to the here am I. To the where I choose to be to where God has brought me. And he says, here am I. Look at verse 12 again. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. Seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his sons. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. We're told that means uh, God will provide. He's calling the mountain where Jesus would die Jehovah-Jireh, the place where God will provide. God will provide the sacrifice. God will provide the lamb. God will provide himself. God will provide salvation. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Look at verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. And he goes on to tell him that in blessings I will bless thee and in multiplyings I will multiply thee. And we've seen all the verses about the covenant. Go to Luke chapter 14. This is the last place I'll have you turn tonight. Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. Luke chapter 14. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke 14. Here's what I want you to understand. God, if he's not testing you or not tested you, he will test you. He will test all of us. And here's the test. He gives us the right answer all the way back in Genesis 22. Here is the test that God puts all his children through. What are you not willing to sacrifice for me? What will you withhold? See, God knew that Abraham for years and years and years had been waiting for Isaac. And God must have known that Abraham, remember the laughter that Sarah had and the laughter that Abraham had. God must have known that Abraham loved Isaac and Abraham was so glad to have Isaac and Abraham was so excited to have Isaac. And God said, Abraham, are you willing to give me your son? He said, you passed because you did not withhold. He said, you did not keep back. He said, there was nothing that you were not willing to part with. He said, that's why you passed the test. And let me tell you, that's the test for all of us. God wants to know, what is it that you're not willing to give up? What is it that you're not willing to sacrifice on a mount? What is it that you're not willing to say, God, God, I'll give you anything you want, except Isaac, except This one thing. See, Abraham said there's nothing. There's nothing I'm not willing to give up. Are you there in Luke chapter 14? Look at verse 26. That kind of provides context for this verse because this verse is kind of controversial in the Bible. People say, what in the world is Jesus teaching? But, but it kind of gives you context to this verse when you read Genesis 22 and you understand the sacrifice that Abraham did. In Genesis 20, uh, uh, good night. Luke 14 and verse 26, the Bible says, If any man come to me, this is Jesus speaking, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren 
and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. See, the question I have for you, what are you withholding from God? What is it that, you, that, God, God, that God came down and said, Abraham, here I am, Lord. Take now thine, fill in the blank. For some of you, it's tithing. For some of you, it's soul winning. For some of you, it's Wednesday night church. For some of you, it's give, giving up on that relationship that you know God wants you to not uh, have those friends anymore. Or it may be drugs or it may be alcohol. It may, whatever it is, God says, hey, are you willing to give that up? That's the test. That's the trial. That's what I want to know. And unfortunately, the reason that this is such a crucial chapter in the Bible is because most of us don't pass. Most of us say, I'm not willing to give up that relationship. I'm not willing to give up that sin. I'm not willing to give up that time. I'm not, I'll give you anything you want except Isaac. God says, that's what I want. The one thing you're not willing to give up. Because you know what God wants? He wants your heart and your soul and your might with all, the Bible says, with all your might. He wants it all. That's the test. So here's a question I have for you. Are you passing? I mean, what is that thing that you said, I, I, I struggled, at. I, knew that. I, I, I knew that that's what God wanted, I knew that he was getting at. Be Abraham. Walk up that mount and sacrifice. At least be willing to. And it's not like God's asking you to do something that he wasn't willing to do because he was willing to give up the, the thing he treasured the most for you, his only begotten son. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father.